Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. All right. Well, hey, great. Let's get on into it. We are in the book of Ephesians. Uh, Miastro says, you quote a book that has a talking donkey in it. That's like one of the lower level things of miraculous in the Bible. You should keep reading. There's even more great things in there. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. We are talking today, marriage, God's way, wives, husbands, Christ, and the church. Verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 5 states this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Excuse me. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, for of his flesh and of his bones. Verse 31. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respect her husband. So those are verses 22 through 33 that we see concerning marriage, God's way, wives, husbands, Christ, and the church. Now, I already know that we're going to get some interesting opinions concerning this. But the reality is, if we want to know how marriage is to operate, if we want to do marriage the right way, if we want to receive the blessing on our marriage, and if you're a single person that's watching, It's good for you to understand what marriage is, how God defines it, what are the parameters of a healthy, loving, caring marriage so that you know what to look for in a future spouse. But who better to get marriage advice from? I I was saying this before we had to restart everything. (laughs) Sorry about that. But who better to get marriage advice from than the one who created marriage itself? The truths that we read and study in these passages... They're not out of date. They're not archaic. Some people will say, and I know especially, you know, 
over here on the TikTok uh, chat comment section. It'll probably get a little lively. I can't believe you would say that. Misogynistic, bigoted, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the reality is one, do you even understand those buzzwords that you're using that are rehearsed constantly in today's culture? Two, who am I? Who are you? Who is anyone created being? How do we have the right to tell God what is right, what is wrong concerning the very institution, the very thing he has ordained from the beginning when man was created and God created woman, pulling that rib from Adam's side and creating Eve. Who are we to tell God whether he got it right or wrong? How vain, how prideful, how wicked to act like we would know more or know better than God or as if his truth as if his truths somehow are out of date or no longer work. The instructions on marriage come straight from the designer of marriage. And these instructions that we find in this passage, they are supernatural keys. And I mean that in the fullest extent. They are supernatural keys to having a strong, loving full, vibrant marriage. Let our minds be renewed to God's word on truth in an age where marriage is more and more and more despised. Now, my friend on TikTok, Ads Are Death, says, look at the statistics. And I would say, here, here. Look at the statistics of marriage. Why do so many end in divorce? Why are so, mar so many marriages destroyed? Why does it seem like so many people enter into marriage and it never pans out the way they think? Why is that? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we're doing marriage the wrong way. Maybe, just maybe, we as people should surrender to the truth of God's Word, obey God's Word, and actually commit to what he's instructed us and will receive the very thing that God has guaranteed, which is a marriage that is lifelong, that is blessed, that is happy and is full. Now, I made a joke in the story when I was sharing this that, uh, you know, I'm an expert on marriage. I tell my wife that all the time. <laughs> we celebrated 11 years of marriage last Friday, and I've learned that constantly... And continually, there's something new to learn in marriage and in relationships. There's always something to learn. And there's always something for me to surrender and work on and become better and better as a husband. And you know, as a husband, that's what I want to do. I want to be the husband that God created and intended me to be. I want to be a husband that is that measures up to the standard that God has implied in the Word. As a wife, that's the same desire you should have. See, Jenny says, God did it for my marriage. Amen. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime we put God's Word into practice, I like to say this, the Word works if you'll work the Word. The Word works if you'll work the Word. If you'll simply obey the Word of God, which is faith, 
You simply put the Word of God into action and obey the Word of God. It'll work in your life every single time. Kevin Kennedy said, I wouldn't be married if not for Christ. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. God loves to bless marriages, but we have to put our marriage in a place for it to be blessed. Now, with that being said, we're going to go through, and this isn't an end-all, be-all teaching on marriage by any means, but it gives us a brief overview of what's going on in these particular verses. And this could end up being a part two type message, I'm not sure, or teaching. But we're going to look at specifically what is required of wives and what is required of husbands. Now, I'm a husband. When I read through the part required of wives, I think, ah, yeah, okay, sure. And then when I read the part required of husbands, I think, mercy, help me, Lord. <laughs> and I'm sure it's the same for my wife or wives when they hear the instruction. Okay, Lord, I need your help in that. And then the husbands, amen, amen. But nonetheless, we can see. And again, this is not just for people who are married. If you're single and you desire to be married, Psalm 68 says that the Lord puts the solitary, the single, places in them into families. So you desire to be married one day? Listen up. Get your ears open. All right, so let's start working through this verse by verse. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, right there, we hit a problem. We hit a speed bump. We hit a bump in the road. Submit. Ooh, we don't like that word, do we? Oof. In generally speaking, we don't like that word. Now, that's not the first time we hear this word in, in chapter 5 of Ephesians. If you go one verse before, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And actually, if you kind of zoom out in the book of Ephesians, this last portion of the book of Ephesians, you will see that verse 21 of Ephesians 5 is like the standard. Submit to one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, submit to one another in the fear of God. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Then you hit marriage. There's submission and marriage. Then, verses 1 through 4 in chapter 6, children and parents. Then, verses 5 through 9, masters and servants. So then you see three areas of life where submission, godly submission, is required where godly submission is required. So verse 21 gives us the standard, submit to one another in the fear of God. The first implication we see is verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands. Now, submission does not imply inferiority. Let me read this to you. This is a, this is a, a statement that's very, very well written. William MacDonald, the Believer's Bible Commentary, says this. Submission never implies inferiority. Now listen, the Lord Jesus is submissive to God the Father. We see that in John 5, John 12. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father do. Jesus made that point again and again and again. I can only do what the Father commands me. So notice that. Philippians chapter 2. Jesus emptied himself as who he was as God and walked this earth as a man submitted to God. The Lord Jesus is submissive to God the Father, but in no way is he inferior to him. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, they are equal. They are equal in unity. They're equal. Neither is, the man, neither is a woman inferior to man. 
Now look, so many people, so many people want to smear the testimony of Scripture and they want to malign the Bible. They don't even know the Bible. And they want to say things like this. Well, you know the Bible. The Bible doesn't treat uh, women right. That is absolute hogwash. It is, and for those that don't know what that expression means, that's ludicrous. It's a lie. Scripture teaches the inherent value of every single person. Anywhere, anywhere, the Bible is preached with purity and with faith. What you see is equality of all people. Men and women are seen equal in the eyes of God. And so just because in verse 22, the wife is commanded to submit to her husband, to submit, that's interesting, Steak and Jake on TikTok says, slavery is okay, right? You got to stick around because two weeks from now, we're going to talk exactly what the Bible says about slavery. And it's not what this woke ideal, the Bible promotes slavery. You can't find that in scripture. You can't do it. And you can't do that, and you can't find in Scripture where the Scripture, where the Bible belittles women. Can't do it. Listen to this. Neither is the woman inferior to the man. In many ways, she may be superior in devotedness, in sympathy, in diligence, and in heroic endurance. Let me tell you something. No matter what anyone says, I'll never carry a child. I'm a man. I have watched my wife give birth to my, to my daughter, who's three years old, and to my son, who's three months old. That was a miraculous feat. <laughs> it was heroic endurance to the nth degree. She did it, man. She, and I'm over there bawling my eyes out because I'm so thankful, so thankful for her. And she did that. And think about this. In devotedness and sympathy, ladies, let's be honest, especially you wives there that are, that are listening, you know, you have to work on your husband, right? To communicate, my wife has to do it to me. She's good in communicating. She's good in stating her mind and her heart, but she has to work on me, right? Okay, you're going to have to open up. You're going to have to talk to me, AJ. I can tell you're thinking about something, but you're not saying it, right? But wives are commanded to submit to their own husbands, continuing this statement, as to the Lord. In submitting to the authority of her husband, a wife submits to the Lord's authority. This in itself should remove any idea of reluctance or rebellious spirit. Now, verse 23, notice this. Verse 23, Ephesians 5, verse 23. Therefore, or excuse me, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, plainly, very simply put, I, I heard this from evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. He, he made this point. I thought it was a very good statement. He says this. He says, anything that has more than one head is a monster right? Two-headed, three-headed cyclops, dragons. Anything that has more than one head is a monster. In organizations, in churches, in businesses, in teams, football teams, and in marriages, there has to be someone who is appointed to leadership. There has to be someone who takes on the responsibility to lead, to direct, and to govern. There has to be someone that bears that weight of responsibility. At the end of the day, as a husband, I am responsible for my marriage, for my wife, and I am responsible for my children. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I am responsible for my wife. I'm responsible for my children. 
I'm responsible for my family. And that's what we see in verse 23. The husband, by God, has been put as the head of the relationship. And people can, you know, comment, this is so misogynistic. You know what? It doesn't work any other way. It doesn't work. It doesn't work any other way. The way God has knit together men and women, and men and women are uniquely different, right? You understand that we are equal. We are equal in our standing before Christ, but we are not equal in function. It doesn't really matter what anybody says. It doesn't, Josh on TikTok says, men and women are equal in every way. No, they're not. Not in function. A man can't have a baby. I, my wife's had two children. I've had zero. That's not equal. And just so for the TikTok family knows, if you would, go ahead and make sure that you hit up the link tree on the TikTok uh, account because the last time I made a statement like that, I got hit for hate speech on TikTok. <laughs> not to give anyone any ideas, uh, but I got hit for that. And they said I would never stream again, but here I am. I've, getting, I've gotten hit twice for those type of, of those statements that are so hateful. I appealed them, won both of them. But, I, but men and women are not equal in function. My wife's nursing our son. I can't nurse my son. People will say whatever they want to say. Ain't going to happen. Won't happen. I use a bottle. My wife can nurse. End of story. So we are equal in... We are equal. Yeah, Jennifer on Facebook says men and women are equal but have different roles. We're equal in our standing before God, but we're not equal in function. There's a different place that God has put us in this relationship and in this hierarchy of the family. And it comes down really more, it's a whole lot less. And if you'll stick with me, if you will stick with me and get through these next few verses, you'll understand that it's not about being in charge, fellas. It's about being responsible. And let me tell you something. What a wife desires in her husband is that he leads. Wives want their husbands to be a strong leader, not domineering, not running over, not squashing them, you know, in their opinions and their thoughts. Listen, care, provide, protect, but wives desire a strong leader. And it's interesting. You look in the comments that's going on on TikTok right now. It's the guys that are arguing with me. It's not the women. <laughs> the women are saying, yes, amen. Because someone has to take responsibility. And it's about responsibility. It is about responsibility. And just as Christ, that's what verse 23 is saying, just as Christ is head of the church and the savior of the body, so is the husband to the wife. Now, the Darby translation states, 1 Timothy 4, 9, and 10 is this. It says this, The word is faithful, worthy of all acceptation. For this we labor and suffer reproach, because we hope in a living God who is a preserver of all men, especially of those that believe. So notice that word preserver. The husband is the preserver of the marriage, the preserver of the family. It, again, someone on TikTok mentioned about statistics with divorce rates. Look at statistics of families. 
Look at statistics of families. When a father is absent, the children are ex the the crime rate of children, children that will go on to lead a life of crime, engage in pornography, abuse drugs or alcohol, be physically abusive, it skyrockets. When there's no father in the home, it skyrockets. Same way with church. Some that are watching are Christians, some aren't that are watching. I'm glad everyone that's watching. But you that are watching that are Christians, when the father leads the family in faith, and when the father takes the role of leadership, say, hey, we're going to church, the family goes to church. But if the father doesn't go to church and, and leaves that responsibility on the mom, and the mom, as much as, as she will work and try and, as she can and do hard work and, and say, I'm going to get the kids to, to church, it is very difficult because the kids are watching dad stay at home. And men, if you're listening, as a Christian man, as a Christian husband, you need to lead your family in church. And not just going to church, you, your family needs to see you praying. Your family needs to see you reading your Bible. Your family needs to see you leading spiritually. Because again, it's amazing. You can Google it. It's like 90-something percent. If you can win, if as far as the family goes, if you win children to Christ through like vacation Bible school outreach, things like that, there's like a 12-some-odd percent rate that the whole family will come to church and live for Jesus. If you can win mom to Christ, it's like a 40-odd percent that the whole family comes in to the church and lives for Christ. But if you can win dad, if you can win dad to Jesus, then the whole it's like 90-some-odd percent chance that the entire family is going to live for Christ. And I'm a pastor of several years in full-time ministry, but I've been in the church for 33 years my whole life. And I can honestly tell you right now that when men and husbands and fathers lead their family spiritually, spiritually, then that family thrives. But if they're absent in their leadership role, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father, so this hits, this hits my heart. And again, I'm just looking again, it's, it's like the fellows on TikTok are getting upset about this, but the ladies are just chiming in, amen, left and right. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and and on Facebook uh, and, and YouTube as well. It's like, eh, you know, hey, there, there's something to be said here. Maybe what culture is telling you guys, guys, maybe what culture is telling you is a lie. Ephesians 5, 24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So notice, the church, I, as a Christian, I'm subject to Christ Jesus. So is a wife subject to her husband. Again, it's not about lording over. It's about submission and leadership. But we can see, and that, that's a good point. Hey, that's a very profound point in today's world. If you're a Christian, by definition, it means you're subjected to to Christ. You submit to Christ. In fact, if you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're watching the live stream or you're listening on the replay, if you're a Christian and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to type in the comments, I submit to Christ. I submit, S-U-B-M-I-T, to Christ. 
If you're listening to the replay or on the podcast, I submit to Christ. Just say it. Where you where are you watching, listening from? I submit to Christ. I submit to Christ. As a Christian, we are required by definition to submit to Christ. Now, why am I making that point real clear? Because you have some people running around the countryside. I'm a Christian, and then they'll see the they'll see the instruction and command of God in His Word, and they'll say, "Yeah, you know, that's not for today." And they want to rewrite this book. They want to rewrite the truths in this word to conform to their lifestyle, to conform to their ideologies, to conform to their opinions. That's the opposite of submission. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to submit to the instruction of God in His Word. Romans 12, verse 2, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and what is acceptable in the perfect will of God. We're supposed to submit to the teaching and instruction of God's Word and understand that what He has commanded us in His Word, it is truth, it is life, and it is right. And any time I find something in my heart or my mind that doesn't line up or agree with God's word, God's God and his word are not wrong. I have to make that decision. If I quote unquote disagree or have a different idea or thought than God's word, it ain't God that's wrong. It's me. It's me. So I might say, well I I love Jesus, you know, I love Jesus, but you know there's things in the Bible I just don't know about. Do you love him if you don't submit to his word? John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments and you abide, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 14 of John 15, you are my friends if you do whatever I command. So there's an instruction, there's a command from the scripture, and I must submit to it. And just as Christ is the head and the church submits, so the wife submits and the husband is the head. Now, now obviously, and we, we, sometimes we get these questions, but obviously you understand, wives, in submitting to your husband, it is in things which are lawful and scriptural. If your husband's, you know, went off the deep end and he's wanting you to do things that are ungodly, that are wicked or sinful, then you don't submit, obviously. Your allegiance and your submission is to Christ. And Christ has said the the husband's the head. But if that husband is wanting to take you down a path of destruction, of sin, of wickedness, of rebellion to God, then no, you would say the same thing that the, uh, the disciples said in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, you would say the same thing in that regards. Acts 5, 29. But Peter and other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. In that context, I'm going to obey God rather than man. Now, a few other things on wives, and then we're going to get to the tender part for me. Uh, instructions to husbands. <laughs> Colossians 3.18, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So there you see it, as the, is fitting 
what's duly right, what is correct, what is proper. Again, this word submit in Colossians 3.18, the Greek word that we transliterate to the English word submit, this is what it says. The New, Nelson New Illustration, New Illustrated Bible Commentary gives us this information. It says this, the word submit is a military term meaning to arrange oneself under another. It indicates a voluntary submission, not unthinking obedience. It is clear that submission does not denigrate the one who submits. So just as in a military force, you have people in a chain of command, so is the family set up with a chain of command ordained by God, but it does not take away the value of the person who submits. It doesn't take away the value of the woman who is in submission, holy submission in her relationship. It doesn't mean she's not thinking. doesn't mean she's just going, you know, whatever you say, no, it's in a voluntary submission as we both serve the Lord. Now listen to this. 1 Peter 3, I can't tell you, there's been several ladies that I know personally, they lived out verses 1 through 6. They lived out verses 1 through 6 of 1 Peter 3, and the result of it was their husband getting saved. I know several ladies, their husband was on the way to hell. They loved him dearly, you know, they're married, and then later in life, she comes to the Lord. He doesn't. He's heart, his heart's hard against the things of God. Bible journaling sisters says me in exclamation mark. So maybe you could even share briefly your testimony in the comment section if you'd like. But the, the, there's an application here. This is why the Bible's so powerful. Because it gives you practical, real-life instruction. So what about this? The Bible's telling wives to submit to husbands. Okay, but what if my husband is not a believer? What do we do then? This is a real-life question that I, as a pastor, that I've been asked. What do we do then? Okay, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, tell us. Verse 1, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. Pause. Bible Journaling Sisters on TikTok says, Prayer, submission, and grace are key. Beautifully written. Absolutely. Because that's exactly what this passage talks about. All right, here we go. Verse 2, 1 Peter 3. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Obviously, the fear of the Lord. Verse 3. Do not let your, outward, do not let your adornment be merely outward. So, ladies, nothing wrong with getting all gussied up. Husbands love it. And the husbands say, Amen. But your beauty shouldn't just be an outward thing. It shouldn't just be an outward thing. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Now, pause. Some Christians have taken that verse like a billy club and beat it over women saying, there you go, women shouldn't wear makeup, they shouldn't wear pants, and they shouldn't wear jewelry. Now, ladies, if you want to do that, that's up to you. But that's not what the verse is saying there. It is not saying, don't ever do anything to your outward appearance. And if that were true, then why is it that oftentimes that the men who say that, they got fresh haircuts, nice suits, nice wristwatch. I saw one guy preaching that. You know, these women don't need to be wearing makeup, need to have their dresses on, going hard at it, clothesline preaching. Had a $15,000 Rolex on his wrist. Hey, I like Rolexes. Don't have one. Maybe one day. That offends you? Eh, sorry. But I mean, I love watches. This is a Casio dive watch. It's made after, modeled after a Rolex dive watch. But he had a nice watch. I mean, I noticed it because I've got 
a do- half a dozen different watches, Seiko's, Timex, Casio, Casio. And I like watches. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Hmm. This guy's telling ladies they can't, you know, wear earrings, necklace, rings, makeup. And he's got about $15,000 wrapped around his wrist. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? Wow. Bella, praise God. Just real quick, Bella on TikTok says, I'm due with Miracle Baby on 1223. Praise the Lord. Thankful for that. I love children. I love children. They are a blessing from the Lord. Next week, we're going to talk about children. But today, we're finishing on, on, on marriage. Now, notice this. Verse 4. So, if it's not just outward beauty, what, what's the point? Verse 4. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart, the hidden man of the heart, with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Notice that. It's not about the outward putting on. Nothing wrong with that. But what changes the heart of a man? The inward beauty. It's a gentle spirit. It's the conduct of that woman. It's the hidden heart of the man that has incorruptible, in other words, eternal beauty. It's a gentle spirit. It's a quiet spirit. Now notice this, the end of verse 4, which is very precious in the sight of God. Not only will it change and soften the heart of a hard husband, it is also costly, precious, valuable. We're talking about gold, you know, necklaces, earrings, rings, watches, whatever, you know, be sensible, save, invest over time, buy something you want to get, whatever, you know. Hey, people, nice cars, homes, stuff. It's fine to have stuff. Don't let stuff have you. Very simple, very simple. You want nice stuff? Be responsible on how you get it. Don't let it have your heart, though. But even in all that nice stuff, what's really costly? The hidden man of the heart. What's really costly? That gentle, quiet spirit. Verse 5, For in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Little L, Lord. So, honor, submission whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So we see there, we see a scriptural pattern. Holy women of old trusted God, and in doing so, they adorned themselves with this same incorruptible beauty that Peter is talking about by the Holy Spirit in verse 4. And that inward beauty, that gentle, quiet, holy, reverential before God and honoring toward her husband spirit, put them in a place of holy submission to their husbands, and it softened their, the husband's heart. Now notice, faithful Sarah honored her husband Abraham and received the promise. Someone in the TikTok comments was talking about how they're having their miracle baby. Praise God for that. Children are an inheritance from God. Hebrews 11, 11 says this, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, past the age of childbearing, because she judged him, God, faithful who had promised. That quiet, submissive, gentle, holy spirit that she had, that reverential spirit that she had before God and before Abraham put her in a place to receive. Praise God. Oh, wow. A godly woman 
A godly, God-fearing woman of God is so precious. Now, all right, here we go. Instructions to husbands. Ladies, now it's your time to shout amen and, and hit tap hearts on the screen and all that. <laughs> Straighten us guys out. Ephesians 5 verse 27. That he might present, oh, excuse me, starting at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Okay, there's the first command. First command of a husband, love your wife. Someone might say, well, that's pretty simple. Well, you know what? Lots of marriages end because there's no love in them. Husbands, love your wife. Now, to what degree am I to love my wife? I am a husband. What is the standard of love that I am required to measure up to? Verse 25, Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That is the standard. That's, that's it. That's the, that's the standard that I have to raise up to. I am to love my wife to the same degree that Christ loves the church. And how did God demonstrate his love for us? Romans 5, 8. How God demonstrated his love toward you and me. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Think about that. The love, the nth degree of love. The nth degree of love. that Christ showed was he gave everything he had to give his entire life. And that's the degree as a husband I am to love my wife. Not partially, not some, but with everything I am, I am to love my wife to the point that it costs me my whole life. And as a godly husband, it will. It will. It will. But in that, just as Jesus said, when, that, when a seed falls to, a ground, to the ground, it must first die. In other words, when you plant a seed, that outward exterior is buried in the ground and it rots and decays. And what comes out of it? Boop. A little green shoot. And then life comes. So before life can come from a seed, it must first be buried in the ground and die, decay and rot away. And then out of it comes life as God created it to. In the same way, as I die to myself, die to Christ, there's life empowering me from God to love my wife with everything that I am. A godly husband lays down his, lays down his life for his wife. Notice this. This is so important. This verse does not emphasize the authority of the husband, though he has it, and it's ordained by God. God ordained the husband to carry an authority to lead his wife and his children, his family. But the authority is not emphasized in verse 25. It's not the God-given authority that's being emphasized. It's the love. It's the love of the husband that is being emphasized in this verse. Because it is from a loving heart. It is love for one's wife. That is the foundation for the husband's authority. If a husband actually wants to truly lead his wife and his family 
He has to do it from a place of wholehearted, Christ-like love. It's a love that will do all, give all, and serve in all ways. Now notice, verse 26 says this, that he, now this is Christ, might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So notice, just as Christ sanctifies the church, washes the church, so the husband has a responsibility to bring his wife into a loving, growing, wonderful relationship, not just with him, but also with the Lord. But notice what's going on in verse 26 and 27. It's about Christ and the church. Christ and the church. Christ sanctifies the church. Now notice, so in this teaching, we see wives, husbands, but we also see Christ and the church. The analogies are being made between Christ and the church and husbands and wives. And Christ sanctifies the church. So in sanctification, the church, who is the church? If you're part of the church, put an emoji hand in the comment section. Because who is the church? Every born-again believer. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of the church. You're a member of the body of Christ, which makes you a part and a member of the church. So what does Christ do for the church? In sanctification, being set apart, that's what sanctification means, to be set apart. In being set apart, sanctified, the church, you and me, we are made glorious. That's what it tells us in verse 27. Christ washes us clean from sin. And how does he do it? Verse 26, we're washed by the water of the word. The word, the water of the word, just like you get in the shower and you wash off the dirt, the grime, the oils, the sweat, the stench, whatever, you're working outside, whatever, you get yourself clean, the word of God does the same thing. The word, that's why it's so important for you to constantly be opening up your Bible, reading it, listening to good Bible teaching, joining in on live streams, listening to Bible teaching podcasts, being in real church, being there around other people, listening to the pastor, being in Bible studies. That's why it's so important because that word, the word of God's coming in your heart, through your ears, through your eyes, and it's washing you clean. It's washing you clean. And in doing so, Christ is able to present himself a glorious church. Now it says this, verse 27, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. So the church is to be without spot and wrinkle, holy and without blemish. Now here's the imagery that you need to have in your mind. And ladies, you you ladies that are married, you can think back on the day that you were married. Ladies that are engaged to be married, you're already making plans, I'm certain, for the big day of marriage. But there's that day that comes where a single woman prepares herself to be married to her husband. And now, naturally speaking, a bride will do many things to get ready. Emotionally, she'll do many things to get ready. Spiritually, she should do things to get ready, right? Be right with the Lord and strong and relationship with God, first and foremost, you got to have your relationship right with God so that your relationship with your husband will be good and strong. 
But you can think about, there's so many things, I'm thinking about my wife, so many things that she had to do, she wanted to do in preparation for the day of marriage on November 3rd of 2012 when she and I got hitched, when we got married 11 years ago. 11 years and six days ago. There were many things she did to prepare herself. And just, you know, just naturally, the hair, the dress, right? Why is it, you know, maybe not everyone does this, but my wife, she had a wedding dress. She's only wore that dress for one one occasion, for when we got married. <laughs> you know, wedding portraits and all this type of things that we were uh, blessed to be able to do, different things. It is no different for the believer. It's no different for the believer. You and I, we are being prepared right now before we're presented to Christ. We're not supposed to be, it's not like if I can just get to heaven, then I'll be without spot and blemish. Then I'll be without spot and wrinkle. No, right now, now, today is the day of preparation. We're being prepared now for our meeting Christ. I, I, I wrote this. In sanctification, the church is made glorious. The church is clean and without spot or wrinkle. Spot implies stains of sin. And wrinkle implies sickness or decrepitude in the body. The glorious church is holy, pure, and full of life and vigor. The preparation, cleansing, washing, and purifying of the church and its members is to be done in this life, not the next. The entire point is to be prepared for the coming of Christ who will receive his church. We're not to wait to get to heaven to be washed. We're being washed right now. We're not to wait till we get to heaven to be set apart and sanctified. We're set apart and being sanctified right now. Someone might say, well, do you believe in instant sanctification when you're saved or progressive? To which I would reply, both. At the point you believe on Jesus, you're set apart wholly unto God. Then you live a life where you're constantly, continually being separated and set apart wholly unto God. Because it's right now we're being prepared to meet Christ. All right. As we continue on, verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Now notice, husbands, if you care anything about yourself, you will love your wife with everything that you have and everything that you are. It is act, When you get down to the, the beauty of the knowledge of true marriage, the way God designed it. Remember, God designed marriage, so if anyone can give us instruction and insight, it's Him, because He's the one that created it. He's the one that ordained it. And He's telling us, if you really care for yourself, husband, you'll love your wife as Christ loves the church. You'll love your wife wholly, completely, with all that you are, holding nothing back, not reserving anything for yourself, not reserving anything for another woman, not reserving yourself for some other area of life, but wholly invested. And that's W-H-O-L-L-Y. Completely, 
totally, 100% invested in your wife, completely and totally, surrendering, surrendering all that you are to that marriage covenant that you've made. Because the Lord's saying here in these two verses, 28 and 29 of Ephesians 5, for you not to love your wife is to not love yourself. And he's saying, naturally speaking, who, who hates themselves, right? I mean, after all, you feed yourself when you're hungry. You clothe yourself. You put on more clothes when you're cold. Take some off when you're hot. You get your hair cut. Take shower. Clean yourself. Deodorant. Make yourself smell good. You rest. You sleep. You go do fun things. You get your blood pumping, working out. You train yourself. Do all kinds of stuff. You read. You relax. You enjoy time with friends, family. All those are things that are beneficial to you. And, and so who doesn't do those things? Who wouldn't do those things? Who wouldn't care for themselves? You might think, well, maybe I don't do a great job of caring for myself, but there's some degree that you're caring for yourself. And the Lord's saying in this word, verses 28 and 29, for you not to love your wife and to care and nurture and respect and honor and strengthen and build her up it's not just a detriment to your wife. It's a detriment to yourself. Husbands, I want to tell you something. The greatest, the absolute greatest investment you can make is in your wife. The absolute greatest investment of time and energy and money, resources and love, the greatest investment you'll ever make, gentlemen, is in your wife. It will be the greatest return on investment of anything in your life. It'll make the world of difference. And to not do it is actually insanity. The Lord's making this point like, for you not to do this is crazy. It's absolutely crazy for you not to do this. It is unnatural for a person to hate them, their own flesh. And in God's eyes, it is equally unnatural for a husband not to love his wife, again, with the God kind of love. Benevolent, self-giving love with his wife. And I'm telling you something, husbands, and I have to constantly do this myself. I'm con We're all doing this, right? Put an emoji hand in the comment section if every day you're desiring to grow closer and closer to the Lord in what you're doing and you want to be more and more in line with his truth and his word. Amen. Amen. I know I do. I'm raising my hand. I want to be closer to the instruction of God's word. And so as a husband, I'm going to have to say, Lord, I see what you're commanding me to do, Lord. I see what you command me to do. So I want to be this type of husband. Now, as we finish up today, now, whether he stuck around or not, here's a question that is asked all the time. Well, what about marriage as defined by culture? You know, after all, marriage is just between two consenting people that love each other. Is it? Is it, though? Genesis chapter 2 Verse 20, tell us this, because I can't talk about marriage without confronting the very lie and deception that's so heavily used and propagated in our culture. Genesis 2 verse 20 tells us this, So Adam gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. 
and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Verse 22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to man. Greatest gift a man's ever got. Verse 23, and Adam said, this now is my bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh. So we see from the very beginning, when marriage is created and ordained by God, marriage is defined as such. One man, one woman, those two coming together as a family, separating themselves from their parental families, the husband, the wife come together, they sever those ties. It's not that you hate your parents or your in-laws. It's now you have a husband and wife. They have left their families. They have come together and they become a family. We have good relationship with our parents. My wife and I, we both live about seven, ten minutes from both of our parents. I, I, my dad is the founding pastor here at this church, so I'm working under my father. I see my mom and dad all the time. I see my in-laws all the time. Same with my wife. We have excellent relationships with our parents, and with our in-laws. They know it. We know it, though. My wife and I, we're a family unit. We make decisions together. We carry an authority together. Mom and dad, we expect, on my perspective, in-laws, mom and dad, in-laws, we respect your opinions. We're thankful for your wise counsel and advice. But at the end of the day, it's my wife and I, we are a family. We make decisions, and we lead our lives according to Scripture, being led by the Holy Spirit as we see fit. And there's a creation of a new family. So notice that. What is marriage? One man, one woman, leaving their parents, leaving their families, becoming a new family. The simple adhering to that instruction eliminates so many problems. I've sat across the table with different, especially, especially young married couples who just got married, and they're dealing with this. Hey, Caden, glad to have you on, buddy. And they're dealing with this. They have problems because they have not separated fully from mom and dad. And so wife is going back to her parents. Husband's going back to his parents. And the parents shouldn't be doing it. But whatever reason, they have access to that relationship. And the parents and the in-laws are speaking into their kids and there's like division and there's strife. No, 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 no. Never, 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 never as a spouse, as a husband or a wife, don't go run back to your parents and tear your husband down or your wife down to your parents. Who do you think, generally speaking, your parents are, whose side your parents are going to take? <laughs> They're going to take your side. Don't, don't sow division in your marriage. Don't run back to your parents. You won't believe what my wife said. Don't do that. Don't play that game. Don't make cutesy jokes. Don't, when you're around other people, don't make cute little jokes that you think are cute that aren't cute after all. Don't make those little jokes about your spouse. Don't mock your spouse in front of people. Don't 
correct, husband or wife, don't correct and browbeat your spouse in front of other people. There's a time where you can talk to your spouse. There's an appropriate time where you can discuss things. And it's not in front of friends or family. Get, cherish your spouse enough to wait till you get home and talk that thing through. Don't beat up on each other in front of other people and don't do it in front of your parents or in-laws because there's a separation there. Uh, someone wrote it in the TikTok uh, comments. Leave and cleave. Exactly, leave and cleave. Matthew Henry, British prom, uh, Protestant minister from years gone by, several hundred years ago, he wrote a world-renowned commentary. He wrote this, and I thought this was really good. Woman is said not to have been taken out of man's head to be lorded over him, nor under his feet to be trampled on by him, but from his side to be equal with him, from under his arm to be protected by him, and from near his heart to be loved by him. I thought, I, I mean, obviously that's not scripture, but I thought that was really good imagery. It's really, because that's the responsibility of the husband, to protect, to care, and to provide and love his wife. Now, as we finish up, verse 30, For we are members of his body and his flesh and his bones. You and I, just as Eve was taken out of the rib of Adam, so Christians are of the body of Christ. Now, that revelation in itself is mind-blowing. You are in the body of Christ. As a Christian, you are the body of Christ. So how is Satan going to touch you? How is Satan going to destroy you? Can he destroy Christ? Can he touch Christ? Colossians says that we're hid in Christ. How is Satan going to make a mockery of you or, or stop you? Can he stop Christ? Well, no, he can't stop Christ. Then how can he stop you? Because you're in Christ. Amen. That right there will... You can go on that for days on end in that revelation. Now back to marriage, verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Proper understanding of these two basic facts of marriage, that a wife and a, a husband and wife leave their parents to be joined to one another and form a new family, it will eliminate in-law trouble and marital strife. Husband, wife, when you surrender to the fact that you and your wife as a husband, wife, you and your husband, you are equal, you are partners, you're covenanted together, you're joined together. It's not you and your wife and your parents. It's not your wife and you and her and the in-laws. It's you and your wife. It's you and your husband, depending on whether you're the husband or wife that's listening. It's you and your spouse. You're locked in arms together. You're working together. You're striving together you might as well pull in the same direction. It's just like two ox that have yokes on them. That's why the Bible tells us don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers because you don't want to be yoked up, connected with someone that's pulling this way and you need to go that way. Yoke yourself up and submit and surrender to one another, Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of God, and say, we're a team. Let's, whatever we got to do to work it out, let's work it out because we're going to pull together. Now, someone said, what about a husband and husband? Excellent point. If we go to the words of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ himself said in the book of Matthew and in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 6 and 9, 6 through 9, 
Mark 10, starting at verse 6. But from the beginning of creation, this is Jesus speaking, God made them male and female. Notice the list stops there. Male and female. That's it. Male, female. Nothing else. Long pause. Period. Verse 7. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. I wrote this, and let me just read it. I think this is the most plain way to get it across. Jesus brings Genesis 2.24, we read it just a minute ago, into the New Testament when he affirms the original definition and intent of marriage. Many people today try to smear the testimony of Jesus, stating that he never talked about the sins of homosexuality or other perversions pertaining to sex, transgenderism. It's good to know that if Jesus had a different thought or a different idea concerning marriage, this would have been the perfect time to state it. He did not, do, he did not though. He didn't do it because he is the Word. He is God, and as 1 Samuel 15, 29 says, the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind. For he's not a man that he should change his mind. End of story. Case closed. Now, people, you can, there's people, they can decide to do whatever they want to do. And again, as I remind the TikTok family, you might want to hit the link tree and subscribe to the YouTube and other platforms, the podcast, because I've been hit before with hate speech and get banned from live streaming, but we've appealed it and won every single time. Simply reading the Bible. Now, you can say whatever you want to say. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But if you're going to be a Christian, and I made this point very plain, me, you, anyone, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you actually have to follow Jesus. Don't run around saying, well, Jesus would accept everybody. In the matters of marriage, Jesus completely and totally affirmed. He completely and totally affirmed what marriage is. Marriage is a union between one man, one woman. End of story. Someone's going to say, well, in the Bible, there were men that had multiple wives. Did it ever work? Was it ever blessed? Did God ever instruct them to do it? Was it blessed? Or did it bring heartache? Did it bring destruction? Did their children war against each other? My goodness, look at David's life. All his, his sons fighting from different women, fighting against each other, brought him heartache, brought him destruction in his own life where his sons are getting mur murdering one another. Marriage is one man, one woman, end of story. That's it. I don't agree. Okay, you be God. You be your own God. See how that works out for you. But I, you can't save yourself. 
I can't save myself. You can try, but it won't work. Don't submit to the lie of this world. Don't, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Do not fall for it. Marina says, what about divorce? Jesus is talking about divorce. There was a bill of divorcement made available. There's actually contextual reasons in Scripture for divorce. There's reasons for it that are given. God-ordained reasons. Your, your husband, uh, through, because of infidelity. And you can make the argument for other reasons. Uh, adultery, infidelity, or um, the husband foregoing his responsibility to take care of his wife, deserting her. It's very simple. All right, let's finish up. Ephesians 5.32. So far, still on all the platforms. I haven't got hit yet. Ephesians 5, verse 32. As we finish up this passage, make sure you subscribe, like, share, all that jazz. We're going to be on next Thursday as we talk about children and parents. Guess what? Every single one of us, either or, are at the same time both a child or a parent. Every person on the planet is a child. And some of us have become parents. So you don't want to miss next week. NKS on TikTok says, This is your faith. Do not push it on others. We all get to choose our beliefs. You are correct. You do get to choose your belief. One leads to eternal life. The others lead to eternal damnation. Don't fall for it. I love you too much to not tell you the truth. Ephesians 5.32, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Paul's making the point. Again, I just said a few minutes ago, if you just were to work through the analogy over and over and over that I am one with Christ, as a husband and wife are one, so I, as a Christian, am one with Christ, mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. You just can go down that path. I'm one with Christ. I've been brought into the body of Christ. He's the head, Ephesians 1, I am the body. Whew, marvelous. Verse 33, we made the whole passage. I was surprised we did. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In summary, on this passage of Scripture, and what a beautiful passage it is, husbands, love your wife, and wives, respect your husbands. Hey, as we're finishing up today, I'm going to cue this up to be able to drop this in the chat. But as we're finishing up today, if you're watching and you're listening and you think, you know what? I want that kind of relationship, one that is strong, one that will last the test of time, one that brings me joy, one that brings me happiness. There's one way we enter into that, and it's by way of salvation. And I want to encourage you. I beg of you, if you're watching and you're listening and you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never came to a point and place in your life where you confessed Jesus, Lord of your life, today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. If you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't delay. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us know it. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. The Bible tells us that the payment, the paycheck for the work of sin is death, eternal death, separation from God for all eternity in a real place called hell that we all deserve by our nature and by our actions. But the Bible also tells us, and this is the good news, 
that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that when you believe in your heart that Jesus is the risen Son of God and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done that, or at some point in time you did, but you know you've walked away, you've grown cold, and you want to make things right with God, I encourage you, I beg of you, I implore you right now, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I repent of my sins. I ask for forgiveness. Wash me clean. I believe Jesus died on my cross for my sins. He was buried in my grave. And I also believe he's risen from the dead. And with the same life that he has made alive, you're making me alive. For I confess, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I'll live for you all the days of my life with your help, by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me and you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or X, I dropped a link in the comments. Click on the link, fill out the form. I'll happily send you for free a study guide that will help you become a strong disciple of Christ. If you'll simply take it, you'll read it, open your Bible, read the passages, work through it. It's 12 lessons. It'll take you a little bit of time. But when you do that, I guarantee you it will answer many questions and it will strengthen you. TikTok family, click on the link in the bio, and the link tree in the bio. It's the first tab that says, I just got saved. Tap on it, fill out the form. I'll do the same for you. You've just entered into the first step of a brand new, supernatural, marvelous life. Salvation is the door. Jesus said, I am the door, and all must enter in by me. When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing Him, Lord, surrendering to Him, you've now entered into the door, which is eternal life. And now you're saved from your sins, from hell. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You're made a brand new creation. All the old things have been washed away and everything has become brand new. You're living for Jesus and you're growing stronger and stronger and stronger in the Lord every day in Jesus' name. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. I do apologize about the hiccup when we first started on the other platforms, but I'm thankful that you joined me today. I pray that you'll join me next Thursday, 11 a.m. as we discuss children and parents. I hope to see you then. God bless. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday, I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.